Hello everyone, this is Britt, the Petite Polymath, and I've got a, um, a bit of a, a special episode, special not in the best of ways, um, but I'll explain more in a little bit. So I don't know how far um, I'll get before I potentially start crying. Hopefully I can manage for a good portion. Um, A, a good friend, someone I respected greatly, and, um, and my priest at my church here in Nashville was killed unexpectedly yesterday with his daughter, who was starting her last year of college in New Mexico, and they were on their way out of Nashville, headed west, on his first day of sabbatical. He turned 50 earlier this month, and his lovely wife and he were going to go to Europe and celebrate his 50th birthday, um, doing what all wonderful priests and their loved ones do, go on a tour of cathedrals. And then he was going to walk the Camino, which is a, a an ancient Christian pilgrimage in Spain. And that is what his plan was. Um which didn't happen. And I am still sort of in shock, very heavy-hearted, a bit angry and confused for a host of reasons. Uh, But this made me think about death in general and the ways in which it is another way to see the world, a filter for life. And you know, this podcast is about literature and art, something Father Thomas loved. In fact, I think I kind kind of been inspired by him because he used to do these little minute reviews of film. He loved film and he was an avid, uh, an avid movie goer. And he would give you his insights into into movies, both high and low brow, which I always enjoyed. And we go back and forth about things uh, in Facebook Messenger and on his on his Facebook post. He was also very good at the social media, um, and uh, had a, a wry sense of humor. And uh, these are things that I will remember fondly about him. Um, but you know, in literature and art. Uh, we've got two themes, love and loss. They are the overarching themes in every story ever told. In every poem ever written, in every song ever created with words or not. Love and loss, one or the other. And you know, I, um, those who know me know that I I'm a Christian. Those who don't know me but listen to this podcast know that I'm a Christian because I talk about it a lot. And uh, I have friends of various faiths. I have friends who who say they have no faith at all, which is its own sort of faith. And, And honestly, I think that a large reason why sometimes they err that way is the self protective, um, life having no meaning because we're all gonna die anyway. And that's a whole lot easier to wrap my mind around than thinking there's a benevolent creator or something else 
and power or that I'm going to be reborn multiple times or whatever it is that you believe. You know, the detachment is the highest aim, whatever you believe about life and the meaning of it. Um, for the Christian, death is uh, now merely a blip in the rest of eternity. Um, you know, we believe that before Christ died and assumed death and then killed it, uh, that death was the, the ultimate enemy. Um, and now our framework is supposed to be that it is merely a temporary separation from the people that we love on the other side uh, and that it will be destroyed ultimately. But in the already not yet, it does not feel like that at all. It feels cruel and, you know, think of all the words we have for it. We try to sanitize it so that we can digest it better, you know, having a good death, saying that people have passed away or have transitioned. But then we have the same, we have words for the times where it just seems particularly um, untimely and diabolical. Someone's stolen from us. They were murdered. You know, they were assassinated. Um, when we think people ought to die, we say they're executed. And I've just been working through death and how it shapes the way we live and how we view it or try to ignore it, how it shapes what we, what we do. You know, I know that it's a necessary evil on, in this current world because what would be more cruel and humans being able to live forever in their current state, you know. If Hitler could never die, if someone with a painful illness would just stay that way forever, you know, the diabolical natures that would never be stopped or the cruelties that would never be escaped because of immortality. So we know, you know, immortality in our current world is not the answer, right? At the same time, um, there's no good way to die, is there? I mean, yes, you can die with people you love around you, being able to say the things you want to say and be ushered out of this world, you know, in a painless state. Um, you can have time to process that you're going to die or that the people who love are able to process that you're dying and you can work through things, which is its own sort of pain, which I know because... You know, I, my grandma, my grandma and my grandpa both died in the last year, and those were the deaths they had, very protracted, long deaths, which I felt we grieved for years, while they were even still here. And then there are the short courses of, of illness. Like my best friend, the year we turned 30, where there's all this life, this hope. You know, there's the women who are excited about having a baby only to find out that they have miscarried. You know, there are the people who go about their every day doing the same thing they've done every day. Get in the car, go to wherever, which was what happened with Father Thomas. And then unexpectedly and out of the blue, 
they're here and then they are not. And that I think is compounded then with the shock of how quickly everything changes. And I was thinking, you know, about how we then look at everything people, a person has done before they've died, after you found out they're gone. And so I had told uh, Father Thomas that I was moving back and he was super, he was excited. He was like, oh, this is great. And, you know, I, he'd been preaching. He was gone the first Sunday and he, was, he preached the, the, the middle two that I was in town because I was not in town for his last sermon. I was home and driving back. And every time he preached, I don't know, I just got weepy in the sermons. And I, I didn't know if it was just the sermons were hitting me differently. I don't know what was going on. People know I'm a bit of a crier in service, but usually that's during singing. It's not during the sermon. And we'd, you know, pass him on the way out at the end of service and just kind of look at each other and be like, man, it's really good to see you. I'm so happy to be here, or I'm so happy you're here. <sighs> like there was this not routine wistfulness. And I think, you know, probably I know I thought maybe it's just in the light of the pandemic, right? Like we've had so much death, so much loss, so much trauma, so many things turned upside down and maybe we're all just kind of raw and starved for human connection and seeing people we love and care about and being in community again and how, how much of a gift that is. So maybe that's why all this stuff is coming up. Then he preached on John 6 the last three weeks. And I listened to the sermon, the last sermon from Sunday yesterday on the way home, which, you know, could be good or bad. I cried the whole way. And it was about surrender. And his last, you know, social media post, besides the one saying he was headed out west, was a tweet that he had about being excited about his sabbatical, but nervous and anxious, and about how much he was going to miss his community. And, you know, you can't help but feel the gravity of that now in our current state that we are in. Because Father Thomas and his daughter Charlie are fine. Uh, We are left reeling with a loss that is completely unexpected. And having to figure out how to love and support and be there for his, his wife and surviving daughter as best we can though there's like no way to be able to fix, fix this hurt. And yes, we hope for a day when everything is new and we don't say goodbye anymore because we're not made, right? We're really made to do that. And I know for myself, you know, I, I also am a doctor, a doctor in neurology. I see lots of death. I remember, you know, I remember the first time death was something I did at work and not just people I knew or people I loved, you know, calling time of death as, a, as an intern and giving families bad news, talking to patients about dying, holding someone's hand until they die. I'm intimately acquainted with all the ways death comes at you. And, and for myself, I have played over all the scenarios of trying to steal myself for the death of people I love. Um, 
thinking about my own self dying, and, and I think that's also part of this, is when someone dies unexpectedly, then the myth that you aren't dying is, is destroyed. You just realize that death is right around the corner, or sitting in the corner, as one of my attendings used to say, just waiting for you. And we try to do everything we can to not let that reality, you know, paralyze us, but instead inspire us to live lives that do good and seek justice and mercy and are full of love and joy and kindness towards people and towards ourselves. You know, our art is an exact expression of the fact that we're going to die and we want to have something that stands. You know, when I'm dead, whenever that is, which at this point now I have no idea. This podcast and my voice, that'll be the thing that's here. And so for anyone who is dealing with grief or loss, know that you are not by yourself that this is a human thing that we all experience and will experience. But that one day it will not be a thing anymore. Petite Polymath is a podcast from Britstone.